Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you seek the living among the dead? When the women arrived at the tomb on Sunday, that's the first day of the week, to care for the dead body of their beloved Jesus, they were greeted there by two angels. And they were asked this rather interesting question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angel went on to say, the angels went on to say, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Basically, the angels were saying, according to the word of God, Jesus must now be raised since it is the third day and since the word of God has proclaimed that he shall rise on the third day. So why do you seek the living among the dead? Why indeed? We can turn the question around and ask ourselves, where is it that we search for life? Some people search for life in that next high, smoking a joint or injecting, was that not the right term? injecting something into their, injecting drugs into their body at the bottom of a bottle. Some people search for life in, the, in that place. Some people search for life in their work, a satisfied customer or a happy boss. That's what they need, that affirmation. That's where they find life, where they think they do. Some may find life in their friends, their social life. You know the expression that people are like, oh, I have a life. What does that mean? Oh, it means they go out, they party, they, uh, they go to uh, you know, the, the hip new club or whatever. Hip's probably not a hip word anymore, but you know what I mean. It, that's where they find life. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, the po- it's a popularity contest. And, and in that they find life. I have a life. Oh, you don't have a life. You know, that, that's the sort. I mean, it's, there's hidden in this is like a contempt for people who don't frequent the cool parties. Because those people don't have a life. Some people search for life in their romantic relationships. Oh, I just feel so alive when I'm with him or with her. Some look for life vicariously through their children. I mean, of course, it is a parent's responsibility to care for their child, but that doesn't mean reliving your childhood through your child. Looking for life in all the wrong places. We could ask, why do you look for life among the dead? After all, you won't find life in that next high. You will not find life there. All you'll find is another descent, just a further descent into a downward spiral that ends in death. You won't find life in your work, although it's good to have work and to work hard. Working, serving your boss as though you're serving the Lord. But nevertheless, that's not where we find life. And you won't find it in romantic relationships. Although there's nothing wrong with That relationship, God has 
made men and women for that, to have that relationship and to enjoy that relationship. The paradox of the cross is that life comes from death. It's the death of Christ on a cross 2,000 years ago that gives us life. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. It is a fact that Christ has been risen from the dead. And this shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, Jesus said many times that he would rise from the dead. He told this to his disciples many times. And not just to his disciples, to the religious leaders. I mean, they wanted to stone him because they understood what he was saying, claiming for himself to be equal to God. Matthew 12, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus said, I will be in the heart of the earth for three days, just like Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. Mark 9, he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Seems pretty clear. And then John 2, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Three days? Our forefathers spent a hundred years building these, this temple. Now he was talking about the temple of his body. You destroy this, this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The prophets also spoke likewise. We read uh, from Psalm 16 today. For you will not abandon my soul to shale or let your Holy One see corruption. The Apostle Paul interprets this psalm for us, and he applies it specifically to Christ. When he was preaching to, uh, in Antioch, and you can read about this in Acts 13, Paul said, And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. Now listen to how Paul interprets this for us. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. So David, who was writing Psalm 16 and saying, you will not let your Holy One see corruption, wasn't referring to himself because he did see corruption. Paul went on. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption, Jesus Christ. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Yes, the free gift of grace, of God's mercy that comes to us through our faith and trust in Christ, something that the law of Moses couldn't do. For us, appearances can be deceiving. The king of the Jews being placed on the cross to die can look like a loss. It may appear as a temporary setback at best, 
or a failure at worst. But it's not a, it's not a, a setback. And it's not a failure. It was the plan for battle victory. The cross, the cross is the victory that God has achieved over sin, death, and the devil. Because on that cross, Jesus Christ took upon himself all of your sins, every one of them. He's taken them and he has paid the wages of your transgressions. That is what he has done on the cross. And his resurrection is proof. As we heard from first Corinthians, the first Corinthians passage, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. See, it's not all about this life. And Paul was talking about this temporal life, this, this temporal body, this, this body that we have. Popularity doesn't bring life. Riches, wealth, that doesn't bring life. Perfect health doesn't bring life. Isn't that an ironic thing? Think about that for a moment. All of the people who are like so dedicated, committed to uh, exercise. I know you probably think I am, you know, because of my physique, but believe it or not, I, I'm not as good at exercising as you might think. Now, exercise is fine. It's healthy. Healthy eating, that's great. That's all good and well. But we can't take it to the next level, you know, to this, this level where, uh, it, you know, where, where, we, where we would say something like, well, you got to take care of this body because it's the only one you got. Yeah, this, this body that we have is dying. And, and it started dying when we were conceived. I mean, we were conceived in sin. That means we are cursed by death. We feel invincible, especially when we're young. So the younger ones feel very invincible, except that we probably talk about death a lot around our house. So they all know that it's coming at some point. It's not this body that will have eternal life. It is the resurrected body, the glorified body. Just as we die in Adam, in Christ, all believers will be made alive. On this Easter Sunday, rejoice. Rejoice in life. You who are gathered here this morning have come to the place where life is found. Why do you search for the living among the dead? Well, to the outside world, they might look at a, a church and say, you know, what's, I've only go to church when there's a funeral or something like that. You know, there are people who, you know, who just are not acquainted with the church at all. Well, the church is not where you find death. The church is where you find life. This is where you find life. The life of, of baptism, the life of the sacrament, the life of God's word, working faith in the, in the hearts and minds of all who believe. This is where life is found. I mean, when we think about word and sacrament, just think, God's word is what created the universe. He spoke it into existence. And his word is even more powerful than, than that. When he comes to you in his word and creates faith in you, because you have stubborn hearts 
And you have a sinful nature that pushes you away because our sinful man sees God as a judge and we're afraid of judgment. But in Christ, God is not your judge. God is your savior. And and when he judges, he looks at Christ in you and he sees Christ's righteousness when he looks at you. How amazing is that? Because of Christ's resurrection, God's got a new pair of glasses with Christ lenses on it. And he goes like this and says, perfect, righteous, holy, welcome. We are no longer at enmity with God. We have been rescued from death to life. And we will be resurrected to eternal life, just as Christ has been. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.